jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay Lords of Dark <laughs> well now uh uh-huh. I don't know my brain is not what listen just because we had a pre-show conversation about uh, children being taken away from their adoptive parents and uh, about uh whether or not Charlize Theron is actually a lesbian or just an asshole Stacy no, that was Brie Larson. Oh, Brie Larson is the lesbian. Charlize just, why does she date Sean Penn? That's the question. That's the real question that is plaguing <laughs> me. So Stacy and I are sunk in a depression for today's episode. Yeah, I was all gung-ho. <laughs> and then we started talking about depressing movies, depressing choices in movies, depressing real life things. And now I'm just like, what's the point of anything? <laughs> I warned you I had just come out of a really sad play and then I know. I'm, the infection spread much like the eye murders and I just don't know. <laughs> it did. I have it's doubts. Like some potty pool shit. Your words just <laughs> fucking dragged my ass down. I was I was like, I'm gonna lift Anthony up. That was my goal. Same sex adoption. Adoption. Yeah. Adoption. <laughs> <laughs> You said you were down, and I'm like, well, I'll take care of this. And now, look at us. The tables have turned. My skeletal hand clung on and (laughs) drug you down with me. Right into the vat of acid in my basement. (laughs) It's true. But you know, it's going to be fine, because um, on the the train ride back... um, you know, as I was working through all of my issues, uh, this really, really nice, um, I think she was European woman. She actually, <laughs> she left this handbag on the train and I said, madame, madame, madame. And she didn't hear me. So I grabbed the handbag and now I have it. And I, I didn't want to be a snoop. Right. So I didn't really go through her stuff, but I did go through it and I got her phone number and I'm going to take her the handbag. So I'm, I'm thinking I'll have like a, a, a new friend that I can, um, kind of bond with and work through some issues with so oh that's great good for you yeah yeah it's always nice to make new friends especially friends that are not you know in your typical age group or you know your usual sort of roster of people you might want to talk to it's very nice of you to befriend an older lady especially one who might be european yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, I I couldn't tell, like, from her accent if she was, like, French or Hungarian. It was really weird. But she kind of looked like Isabel Hooper. It was it was really strange. But wow. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, I get kind of a maternal vibe from her. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I love a maternal vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing could go wrong in this scenario. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's the plot of the film Greta, starring oh, shit. Chloe Grace Moritz and Isabelle Huppert. What are the odds? Life imitates art. Isn't that true? Wow. I'm being sued right now by Neil Jordan as we speak. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, Neil Jordan is such a weird filmmaker. I I could I didn't know that he directed that until his name popped up on the screen, and I said to myself, "Huh." I I think that's I think I think that's his reaction every time his name pops up on the screen too. He's like, "Oh, I directed this, did I?" <laughs> like, <he's, laughs> he, I I feel like okay. I feel like so Steven Soderbergh is like I think a total hack, right? But like. Steven Soderbergh, I think he's one of those weird directors that just has no discernible like aesthetic or voice. Like he just does every kind of movie, every kind of genre. Not to say that that's like a bad thing. Just with him, I don't know that it works. Neil Jordan, I appreciate that he's like much more in the genre, particularly like thrillers and kind of horror adjacent things. Um, but it's just you can never tell if it's going to be a good movie or just a bonkers movie or. Yeah. He is so weird. He's really weird. He's really weird. I kind of forgot about him altogether until his name popped up. Like I I feel like the last <laughs> thing he did I did when I think Neil Jordan, I think like what? Company of Wolves. Mhm. Uh The Crying Game obviously. Interview with a Vampire. Interview with a Vampire. And then I just feel like he dropped off the map for me. And so therefore, he obviously wasn't doing anything noteworthy. Otherwise, I would have thought it worth a note. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) No, so I was like, huh, Neil Jordan. Huh, wow. And then I watched the movie. Yeah, what'd you think? Um, I really liked the parts that were cuckoo bonkers. <laughs> the absolutely B-A-N-A-N-A-S moments. Oh, they were delicious. They're so, I mean, Isabel Hooper doing her like weird ass fucking ballet flitting around while stabbing people with syringes. <laughs> <laughs> the scene in the restaurant where she flips out and knocks over the table and they fucking oh. put her on the stretcher like she's Hannibal Lecter. Oh, um, holy shit. That was the good stuff. That, stu- I mean, she really leaned into it because she's obviously one of the greatest living actresses. And like one of the greatest living actresses, like your Betty Davis, even when they were in subpar material, they treated it like it was A plus material and they leaned into it and it works. And that's what she did in this film. She's truly, I mean, this movie, I don't know that this movie ever comes together at any point. Um, no, no. It's fun to watch, and it's. I think that fun is entirely due to Isabel, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did also love Micah Monroe, who did not really have a character at any point in the movie. Um, but I loved the ending twist with her. I thought that was really hilarious and, and cute. Yes. Yeah, I, I liked that. I just, <laughs> I think my problem is Chloe Grace Moretz is, she's a piece of bread. You know, and I agree. I wa- I've been walking around this, and I haven't been wanting to say it. I've Am been I- afraid to. I've been afraid to say it, but I'm yeah. going to say it. We're going to get canceled, Stacy. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we tiptoed through those two lips with the Suspiria episode with Colin, and and yeah, I just have to say, she just doesn't do it for me anymore. I loved younger her, and now I yeah. now she's just Chloe Grace Moritz actor. I think she's resting on her laurels and as I think I said to you maybe I wish that Anya Taylor-Joy was getting the parts that Chloe Grace Martz is getting yes 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 I could not agree more because it's like who else is in that age bracket that's actually really talented um 
maybe Saoirse Ronan, but... Yeah, but she has, like, a lifetime contract with Greta Gerwig now. Yeah. Yeah. For Little Women 1, 2, 3, 4 in the Avatar <laughs> crossover. <laughs> oh, don't get me... I know I've talked about that Little Women remake, and I don't know why it, it, it really just ignites my fires in a negative way, but it does. Because we need more antiquated depictions of white women? <laughs> Wasn't that Sofia Coppola's bag? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, where's where's that lawsuit? <laughs> At least, well, whatever. I like Greta Gerwig. I don't know. I always have to qualify these opinions. No, it's she's like, great. I, she just I saw Lady Bird and I was very underwhelmed. I was too. I loved Laurie Metcalf driving that car. That was fantastic. The way she drove yeah. that car was moving. Yeah, she was terrific. But uh, I don't know, just, you know, you see all these things about how wonderful it is. And it just, for me, I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, my biggest problem with Lady Bird. I don't buy for a second that anyone loves Sacramento. Okay. And I, <laughs> I say this having friends who listen to us that live in Sacramento. You guys, I'm so sorry, but I know you don't even love it. Okay. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the whole crux of the movie. She loves Sacramento. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, she was a dick. Her mom worked hard for her. She was a real dick. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't. I didn't find her charming. Like, I, I feel like as a Francis Ha prequel, because that's what it felt like. Yes. I think the character completely lacked all of the charm of Francis Ha. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I don't know. Yeah, just didn't work for me, and so I'm just not excited for Greta Gerwig's next directorial effort. So there, I said that too. Man, I'm just throwing. You got me all depressed, and now I'm just like <laughs> shitting all over all these women. Well, what other woman director do I want to see bite the dust? <laughs> yeah, you know what? We need less women directors. Put them in the box. Yeah, put them in the box with Greta. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. I wanted to love Greta. I did not love Greta. No, and I was the exact same. I there... liked some parts of it. I really loved the bonkers stuff. It just wasn't bonkers enough. And uh, that's about that. I mean, now that, okay, so Greta's out of the way. So now, I mean, what we have coming up, I have all my hopes. Obviously, I'm I'm holding out all hope for us. And then um, Ma is the next. I hope Ma satisfies all the itches that Greta couldn't scratch for me. It looks like it's going to. Because right? it's like cool mom misery. Like, I cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. I love Octavia Spencer so much. And thank God Octavia has a role that isn't like, like, earnest black woman. Like, I, yes. feel, I feel like that's like, in, even in a, that's one of my big problems with Shape of Water, which a lot of people loved. Um, I just felt like she was, just, that was just her role was like, oh, right. look. Sally Hawkins is open-minded because she has this black friend. Like, I, yeah. I was... Well, that's how you know she's open-minded enough to have sex with the fish. Oh, yeah, because she talks to the gay, she works with the black lady, and she has sex with the fish. They're like the island of misfit toys. I get it now. Maybe I do like Shape of War. Nope, they still eat a cat's head. <laughs> Well, you know, surprisingly, like, uh, uh never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Were you just going to take us further into the contention pit? 
always going to talk about more cat murder in films. Oh, like uh, like our favorite uh, Inferno or... Uh... I was thinking Drag Me to Hell. And there are some people that don't like uh, that because she kills the kitten. But she does it like off screen. And it's also like almost funny. Well, and here's and the I, thing. I say that as someone who, you know, thinks about a bug on the other side of the planet dying. And I'd fucking cry for three days. Yeah, like, you do that. You do that single tear <laughs> down <yeah>. your face. <laughs> Yeah, like the the pollution. Native yeah, the American the, the Swedish guy dressed up as an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know he was Swedish? Don't ruin my childhood. <laughs> he wasn't even native. He was famous for playing natives. He was oh like Swedish. God. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, you could have fooled four year old me. <laughs> and then the single tear goes down four year old. Here's the thing. I'm with you on Drag Me to Hell because that movie. The and that's the thing is it's tonally the cat her having to sacrifice the kitten like the way they jump away from it and then you just have her like burying the cat the next scene or whatever is funny right and tonally it fits with the rest of the movie versus shape of water where oh wait all of a sudden fish here is a gory ass scene of a cat with missing its head and blood everywhere and we're supposed to still want her to fuck the fish man who eats cat heads (laughs) Like, what's next? Go fuck Alf, too, why don't you? Like, I'm sure Michael Shannon has him locked up in an adjacent lab. Jesus Christ. That said, Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon. I have my phone number ready and waiting. <laughs> I lo- You know, I gotta watch Bug again. I haven't watched that in quite some time, and I fucking love that movie. Is that the Ashley Judd? Mm-hmm. And my- is Michael Shannon the other guy in that? I never saw yeah. it. Yeah, it's Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd. You've never seen it? Oh, no, see it. no, because it, I don't know. Jason told me all about it, so I know like the whole twist to it, and I'm like, that is dark. Yeah. God, I love a meth twist. Just a twist of meth. Just a <laughs> a whisper of meth. <laughs> <laughs> and you top it off with just a twist of meth. That's, <laughs> that's my number one tip. Say when. Oh, enough. There we go. I'm all good for that math. Thank you. Thank you very much. No. Hugs, not drugs. <laughs> yeah, we don't support or endorse meth use on Gaylords of no. Darkness. <laughs> no. Deborah Hill, though, she might be a different story. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> oh, we're getting receptions from the grave. She, our girl only does coke. Yeah. <laughs> no, no meth. Ah, no. Speaking of drugs... Yeah. Uh, uh, Is this your dare ad? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I was. That was going to be my segue into talking about Black Swan, but it's not a good one. I'm. It's not a good segue. (laughs) Speaking about drugs, what does drugs have to do with Black Swan? She takes ecstasy. Oh, they do do ecstasy. You're right. Yeah, they roll, man, on Molly. They get on the. They get on the Molly tricycle. I want to watch a bunch of ravers on tricycles in their Jinko jeans just tripping over them. Just <laughs> falling over. You know I'm there in my raver outfit. I know, just with your hairballs just spinning your sticks. <laughs> my hairballs and my sticks and, and my all, straps. All the ravers I'm... just keep falling over. Yeah. <laughs> and making out with their doppelgangers. Yeah. 
yeah. I love Black Swan. In my notes for Black Swan, literally the second the movie started, I just wrote, God, this movie is my happy place. I love it. Black Swan, this, I, I don't think I've watched it in several years. And I think, you know, we had that kind of, that itch for a psychological, psychosexual thriller post-Greta. Um, so we, we returned to Black Swan for today's episode. And having not seen it in years... One, I'm shocked at how vividly I remember it because I think this movie embedded itself in me because I love it that much. Um, and two, it still is... I was worried, like, how will I view it this time? Will it have shifted? Will I think Aronofsky is an asshole? I'm always waiting for him to be an asshole in my mind. <laughs> and I love this movie so much. Yeah. I think you'll agree with me when I say Barbara Hershey. Uh, actually, my notes say Barbara fucking Hershey, Stacy. <laughs> the whole thing. All right, I gotta organize my thoughts about Black Swan, because though I mean, it's just perfect. It's a, it's a lot. It's perfect. It is an onslaught of a. Film. It's an onslaught of a film, and it, there's so many things. It's like I gotta organize my thoughts, otherwise they're all gonna come out, and I'm just gonna be like, and Natalie Portman was so good, and this part was so good, and that part was so good. and no one's paying for this podcast here, shit like that. <laughs> That's all my notes. It just says I love this part. This part's great. This part's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down Natalie Portman's eyebrows are a plus plus. Oh, her eyebrows were spectacular. She has well, amazing eyebrows. Well, while you reorganize your thoughts, I'll just um, reacquaint our viewers who have not watched Black Swan recently. Um, Black Swan is uh, about a ballerina in the big city, the Big Apple, one must assume, who is uh, cast. She has a sort of an overbearing relationship with her overbearing artist mother slash former dancer, Barbara fucking Hershey. And Nina Sayers, Natalie Portman, the ballerina, is cast in the lead role of the Swan Queen in Swan Lake. At the same time, she sort of seems to have a weird doppelganger slash lesbian awakening spurred by uh, this other dancer named uh, Lily, who's played by Mila fucking Kunis. (laughs) And suddenly there's a sense of fracture and we get a, a wonderful psychological portrait like circa repulsion, circa mother, circa of just like a woman's world exploding around her. <laughs> and what yeah. is reality? What is truth? What What is art? What is dance? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me because so many people talk about like, because the movie is just basically a big metaphor, right? yeah and and so people always talk about the ones that are like oh it's about artistic perfection and the pressure you feel as an artist and becoming consumed by your art or like the inherent um narcissism of being a performer and like being in love with yourself and blah 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 and that's what in looking at this movie that's what all of the reading i was all everything i was reading was saying too yeah, yeah, yeah. That's those are like the big takeaways. And for me, I'm like nobody. Ta- I mean, people don't talk about this movie as like a gay movie. Okay, right. Okay, this movie. So this is why I interjected there. Like this for me, and in my notes, I even put this down. Well, not just, I mean, my notes. If it goes on the paper, it's holy, holy writ. But um, <laughs> but this movie for me, I took it 
I, I, I get the whole artistic process metaphor, but I'm like being that same person who's like really starry eyes is just about moving to LA and it's evil. Um, I feel like that's too easy of a read. And for me, I feel like this movie is so much about a, a late sexual awakening yes. and about a super delayed, super um, uh, like self-loathing, sexual awakening coming from a very repressed controlled anti-sex environment mm-hmm. and, and i mean yeah the yeah a gay sexual awakening right yeah it's 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 just like thelma right you see you see a pretty girl yeah. and everything, everything changes. changes yeah <laughs> yeah i mean because that's when she starts to fall apart and when she really starts to fall apart is the morning at like th- despite the fact that there's the sex scene in this people still don't take it as like a metaphor for a queer sexual awakening yeah it's so weird that the queerness of this movie is always sort of subsumed in how people talk about it yes even yeah. though it's the focal point of the film <laughs> like... right exactly the day after that sex scene it's like when th- is when things really start to fall apart for nina and it's like to me i think she's being gaslit i think mm-hmm. i think they did have sex there's <gasps> no reason there's no reason to think that they didn't Except for Lily saying, no, we didn't. I think she's being gaslit. And I think that causes her psyche to break because it's like she finally is coming to terms with herself and what she wants and all of that. And then someone's telling her, no, that's not valid. Hmm. See, I love that. I think I would say in terms of there's being no reason, like I went back and I was trying to rewatch to pay attention. And um, at least because the narrative that we get sort of presented to us in the movie is that um, and, you know, for people that have, haven't seen it in a while, there's a lot of questioning to what extent Mila Kunis's character is real. Um, she's referenced by people in the company. They watch her dance. She's definitely a, like there as a dancer. But to what extent is Natalie Portman's interactions with her real? Is she imagining the scenes where they're alone together? Mm-hmm. And I think I think when they come back to the house after you know after the molly rave moment which i oh my god i loved how that was filmed um (laughs) and the sex scene when they come back uh barbara hershey like never once notices lily right so technically you could say like well barbara hershey doesn't see her so maybe she isn't actually there but i do love that i do love that read that she is intentionally being driven crazy because it kind of fits with like the sort of there is a showgirls vibe to this movie to some extent yeah yeah i was i I actually wrote that down because it's like the whole competition thing for me is like the least important aspect of it yeah like i have showgirls i have all about eve if i want to watch that kind of thing you know yeah (laughs) But I think it does feed into that. And it's even like, I mean, that's definitely a thing that I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of girls who are not uh, like the most popular or the most attractive or like gaslit, like especially when they're like teenagers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You see it in fiction a lot where it's like the guy will have sex with the girl and then totally ignore her. Yeah. Or yeah, like yeah, yeah. or or gay teens or something where it's like, I'll hold your hand in the movie theater, but it doesn't mean anything. And when we leave, I'm not going to acknowledge you. And so it feels like that. But it's just happening when she's like 28. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, it's just all that could have happened was Lily could have left early in the morning. Yeah. And then just denied the whole thing. And I just feel like, you know, 
Nina's not like actually crazy. She's just like gay and probably really hungry. I <laughs> Okay. In those terms, this is the worst depiction of being hangry or like the most extreme <laughs> depiction of hangriness yeah, yeah. ever committed to film. And I love that read. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think she's a little bonkers. Yeah, um, I think she she I think she's very fragile and it she's definitely driven over the edge for sure. But I think I think absolutely for justifiable reasons. I mean, she is driven pushed to she's actually pushed to the edge by everyone in this film mm-hmm. um by her mother and her <laughs> and by her mother's artwork we should also <laughs> <laughs> the mother is so interesting to me because she's like a you know your margaret white your mrs bates yep. kind of like controlling mother but i think part of it is barbara fucking hershey and part Thank of it you. is just the character itself is that she's she feels so realistic like the passive aggressive bullshit like with the cake oh the cake scene is jason walked in from like he was going to the store and i was like you missed the cake scene (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's and it's amazing how barbara hershey is like all smiles and warmth and like for the first couple of scenes in the movie she seems like a genuinely loving mother right and then, like, just that Natalie, she's so excited for her to get cast in that role. And oh my God, when Natalie calls her and is like, I got, they picked, he picked me mommy and she's crying. I was like, give her the Oscar right now. Yeah, but, um, she's fucking great. Oh, she, I think this is her best role. Yeah. Um, and then the second, like, her mom is there to celebrate with her and she's like, it's your favorite cake. And Natalie's like, oh, that's too big of a slice. And just instant, mom is going to throw that cake in the trash. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then does the weird thing with the frosting and like takes the frosting on her finger and then makes her daughter like lick the frosting off her finger. Like, yeah, it's well, and that's something I was really interested in this is her, her own, um, her delayed sexual awakening. And basically the whole crux for what triggers everything in this movie is all due to her weird twisted relationship with her mother. Um, which seems a little like kind of over the top, but it's not, they never really, it's not implied that there's like a predatory relationship or sexual relationship there. Um, But it's sort of like the mom, her mom is sort of like a warden and it controls her sexuality Mm -hmm. Uh, all the way down to, I was really kind of impressed with um, or like struck by the scene where her mom is cutting her nails and then, and like, she's like vigorously cutting them and even kind of snips her finger a little bit. But then, like, her mom cuts her nails, and then it isn't until after her nails are cut that she, like, sort of masturbates for what could be assumed maybe the first time. Yeah. Uh, And then wakes up and realizes her mother is in the room! (laughs) Oh, God. Every time I see that scene, I burst into flames from embarrassment and cringing. It's horrifying. It is the best. (laughs) And it is the best two-shot jump cut ever. With that dramatic music playing. (laughs) I was thinking, like, she absolutely deserved to be nominated and to win for this. But I, thinking of it last night, I'm like, I'm kind of shocked that it happened. Because of some of the shit that is in this movie. Like, this movie? I'm I'm surprised it got as many nominations as it did. And, you know. Well, and by today's standards, uh, you know. Like, it, it is actually really impressive that this movie was recognized at all. Yeah. Um, 
But this movie, and I'm interested to see where you lie with this. I think this movie is a fucking camp fest. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, thank you. But like in a in a really strong way, where the camp. And I think this is what good camp can do really great, correct when done correctly. It's like it straddles that that real genuine, sincere drama and tragedy, right. but sort of tempers it with just the sheer recognizing the what the fuck, how over the top this is at the same time. And this movie does a, an amazing balancing act with that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's somehow it's both deliberate camp and incidental camp all at the mm-hmm. same time which doesn't often happen. And it's not a camp that's played for laughs, really. Even though you might sometimes be like feeling like this is over the top or laughing at, you know, a jump cut or a music sting or something or anything, any scene with Winona Ryder. Oh (laughs) my God. It's definitely got that sensibility, but it never devolves. Yeah, and it's still it's still very intense and gripping and thrilling and affecting. Yes. While yeah. being and I just want to crack the code like Aronofsky, how did you do that? I love you. <laughs> it's kind of similar to what Carrie did, where Carrie is so over the top with those Mrs. White sequences but is simultaneously so sad and and real. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. White is kind of a cartoon. Yeah, you know, and Barbara like, Barbara Hershey's a little more real in this, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that room full of paintings and just... <laughs> my God. <laughs> those paintings. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. And just the controlling, like the controlling, but never being an outright, like, villain. I mean, she is, you know what I mean? But, like, but she's controlling in really insidious ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah. like you said, because she balances it with the kindness and... You know, like, was she, her daughter's upset because she, and she's like, oh, tell me all about it and hugs her and like wants to communicate with her versus someone like Carrie White who never had that side to her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mother was just a monster all the time. Yeah. And it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's grounded in reality as in- insane and over the top and like, and fantastic as this film is, um, like those relationships are still based in reality. So like, yeah. I, 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 like the mom, um that that amount of controlling that she that she holds over natalie portman but also like i thought it was interesting how she's so anti-sex and like she's not okay with um nina talking about like going home with guys or making out with guys or anything like she's like that's disgusting shut your mouth and all that but but at the same time she's like seems to be totally fine with uh natalie portman being like paraded around by the creepy ass artistic director of the ballet and right. it's like, oh, he wants to show you off and he's he's going to have you by your by his side forever, blah, blah, blah. But then it, like later, then she kind of addresses like, are you sure he's not taking advantage of you? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's kind of it's and that's a really kind of sort of sadly real depiction where it's like you're kind of are aware of what's going on, but you're not going to dig too deep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're there for her somehow. Yeah, yeah, and simultaneously there is a love between you two, but you also, I mean, have they just been living in that in that apartment for twenty eight years, <laughs> just like alone yeah, together, right? With the the walls all lined with pictures, it's just so claustrophobic. It feels like it's all hallways. Yeah, you know? it's like a kitchen and two bedrooms and hallways, and it just it's like painted dark green, and it's just such a little. I don't know. It's it's a little gray gardens. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and then I mean, and Nina is absolutely her little girl. Like, like even like I love that one of that first moments when they is it like the grapefruit or what? They're like they're both laughing and they're like pink, pretty as pink, and they're just laughing at the color pink. And then she has her pink cake and it's her favorite strawberry and it's pink. Um, And And she has her she has her slumber party massacre girl. You'll be a woman soon. Moment. That's exactly. Jason's like someone's having a slumber party. Yeah, she throws away all of her stuffed animals, and it's like to dramatic music. <laughs> Girl, you'll be a lesbian soon. Yeah, yeah, and that's when I realized, like, oh, this is she is a stunt, and I relate to this as someone who I think my twenties were really my teen years, um, being like closeted queer teenager in a small town. Uh, yeah. That was like when I had my teenage years, and the wildness and the experimentation, all that was my twenties. So mm-hmm. I totally not not didn't completely relate but i could relate to her and like i totally got this sense of like what kind of also what you were saying about being gaslit as a teenager by other girls and stuff like this is her and her relationship with lily this is her first like teenage crush this is her first these are this is a teenager like she's becoming a teenager for the first time at 28 in this movie right yeah yeah and it's really sad and I wish she didn't die. <laughs> I know. That's I, I, at the end, as everything fades to white, I'm like, she. She could be okay. Yeah, she. they could get her blood in time, right? They could stop the bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. She's not She's not dead, right? If you don't see her die, you don't know for sure. I mean, right? <laughs> no, I'm sad again. No, she's fine. She's lezzing out somewhere. She's yeah, fine. she she met a nice art teacher in in Williamsburg, and uh, they go to the co-op together. Exactly. Perfect. Good. Yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad we settled on that. <laughs> Yay, man! I love every obviously, and I'm sure you'll agree. I just love every Winona Ryder scene in this because it's Ugh. all like big shock horror moments Ugh. every time. She, Winona Ryder is always the jump scare. She's <laughs> when the she monster. turns, when she just turns <laughs> and Winona Ryder standing right there holding her drink up. Yeah. She she's is a drunk always, goblin. She's always the, yeah, she's like, like that's her for this whole movie and i just love it so much this is and i do think i mean if i remember correctly like this was sort of her return to films too yes because like she kind of hadn't really been anything like in the time of her like after her being busted for shoplifting she was living a life of crime yeah (laughs) yeah that evil winona (laughs) Ryder. yeah stealing money stealing outfits from rich people um I I am a lifetime Winona. Winona forever. Yeah, Wino forever. I am absolutely I'm absolutely a Winona uh stand for all life and all time. Mm -hmm. Um and this movie God, she's fucking brilliant in this movie. She's so (laughs) I I love that she has like four words. Like she has like four sentences, maybe. Yeah, and and only like four scenes to match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just her introduction where she's like, what? When she, like, trashes her dressing room. Oh, it's so good. Do you think she really stabs her face? That's what we were wondering. We're like, did she actually just... Because they never resolve that. They never go back to the hospital. 
and yeah. and as we were watching it because like i said you know this was a, a many years later rewatch for me i was like wait is there a scene later where she finds out like where someone says like oh no beth is fine she's not in the hospital maybe she is just going crazy that doesn't happen no i think she went to the hospital and i think nina stabbed winona Ryder in the face many times oh and she's dead because i mean she's she looks down and she sees the bloody letter opener in her hands and drops it in the elevator that's true so i'm like i think beth just started talking shit to her because beth only knows how to talk shit <laughs> Yeah. Even when she's on drugs in the hospital and having her legs fused back together. <laughs> because she got drunk and walked into traffic. Like, <laughs> I think Beth just started saying some shit. And then I think Nina lost it and stabbed her in the face many times. Yeah, well, she's hungry. She is hungry. She's so hungry. <laughs> she's so hungry. Your Honor, can we blame her? She was hungry. She <laughs> like... was so hungry. <laughs> And that's actually, that's something that I really love about this movie is, and this is going to bring us into uh, to meeting our quota for the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in a similar way to Suspiria, this movie really focuses on the physicality of the body and what it means to be an artist and a performing artist with your body. Yeah. Yeah. You get those scenes of her popping her joints and getting the massages and getting chiropractic work. Her injuries, her cracking her toe in half or her toenail. Yeah, like just the way they they have to break in their shoes. Like the scene of all of the violence they do to their toe shoes yeah. to break them in. Yeah. Yeah, and there's then, a lot of nail trauma in this. Fingernails, toenails. Oh, the hangnail from hell. I have to look away from the screen. That I totally forgot about that, and that is like almost—it's like almost as bad as that Adam Ellis comic where the person pulls the hangnail and then just their whole skin falls off. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's horrific. But yeah. yeah, there's like, like even, and, and I mean, it goes to extremes too, or not to extremes, but like to kind of a, 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 a you know, where we see the internalization of sexism and of the expectations where it's like the ageism and how that affects Beth and her career and her being forced to retire. And, mm -hmm. and Nina, you know, she's bulimic. She doesn't. And when she does eat like, yeah, she throws it up and she, but she'll right. barely eat besides that. Mm -hmm. Like, because of that, that there's these insane standards for like how the women have to look and how much they weigh and the, they have to fit into. And Right. And the only way uh, the head honcho will inspire you to greatness and, you know, goad you into being the best artist you can be is by repeatedly sexually assaulting you. Yeah, by sexually assaulting you and breaking you down. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's so, Vincent fucking Castle, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's such a creep in this. He really is. I'm kind of like, like, that's one thing, like the male auteur lording over mm -hmm. women and abusing them and everything. Like, I'm kind of over that. I love it in this film because I think it ties into everything. But that's a trope I could do without from here on out, I think. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm not just I'm not saying like after post me too. Now we don't. I mean, now, you know. We've explored that story. We don't need it anymore. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's something that we see so much in reality. Yeah. That to yeah. some, it's, it's like rape scenes. Like, okay, there's enough of that in reality. We don't need that in fiction. Right. Um, or there's other ways to depict it. Yes. Uh, 
this movie, and this is where I kept wanting to get into a fight with Aronofsky because there are so many, I, I have so many friends that were calling mother um, misogynist and, and talking about the muse male auteur relationship and the abuse and the cyclical kind of shit that happens there. I don't have that read of mother at all. Um, I think, I think Aronofsky critiques, like brings that in and critiques it. Right. And is, and is pointing at it and is saying this is wrong, but I don't think Aronofsky, not to be like an Aronofsky apologist, but like, I, I think, and in this film, even with that depiction of Vincent Castle, like, everything serves its purpose and as gross as the things that happen in this movie are um it feels very authentic and it doesn't feel like it's coming out of just a male gaze right it's her story it's not his story yeah you know so it's not like oh it's not about him and like oh he you know isn't faithful to any women and he just sexually abuses but he's such a genius and blah 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 like you know Mm -hmm. it's not that and it's also, think. it's interesting that he he pushes her and he breaks her down to be like this perfect artist, but none of it comes from him. Right. Like, it's it's what what drives her is her lesbianism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what transforms her into the, into the black swan, which, can we talk about the fucking black swan? So good. When she, oh, that scene, when she. Those eyes, those red eyes. Okay. For it. Here's the thing. I am I do not take any issue with the doppelgangers, with the with the mother-daughter relationship, with whether or not Lily is actually real, with did Winona Ryder stab herself in the face or didn't she? <laughs> none of these none of these questions of reality are problems for me. Or how do you continue to dance a perfect ballet while bleeding out? None of these are problems for me. My problem is when you have five minutes to get on stage and hide a body, how the fuck are you going to put on that perfect eye makeup in five minutes and get, <laughs> yeah. and get to places? Yeah, that's true. She's a whiz. <laughs> She's a whiz. That makeup it's, is spectacular. And it really is. That whole look. That I mean, the movie the movie is kind of a slow burn, full, I mean, full of huge, giant, crazy moments um, in between, but... But then that build up to that to the final production of Swan Lake is just so good, mm-hmm. and and when we see the Black Swan finally dance, it is just like so riveting and so compelling. And when she gets off stage, and she's just like writhing around, and she's like like feeling. You see that netting on her face. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, sh- yeah, she's like prowling. It's amazing. And it is a complete physical transformation from what mm-hmm. we see in the rest of the movie. Like, I mean, that's like, that was my, okay, give her a fucking Oscar part two moment. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She good. She's so good. She's so good. God, I yeah. love it. <laughs> you know, I, maybe you can relate to this, but I was happy to see that. Uh, finally, a real gay sexual awakening occurs. And what happens to when you finally realize, like, oh, I'm gay, you do get the webbing between your toes does appear. Yeah, you start growing. Um, you get goose flesh. You get goose flesh kind of all over. Yeah, yeah. So, feathers pop, start sprouting. 
Yeah, so it was just kind of nice to see that finally honestly portrayed in film. Because they don't talk about the webbing between the toes. They don't talk about it. Like Nobody talks about that or like what it's like, you know, to be afraid to share this part of yourself when like, you know, you're in your room alone and suddenly your knees invert and you're standing like a swan. (laughs) Like, you know, and we've, Stacey, you're laughing, but I'm serious. We've talked about this. I know. We've talked about this many times. Representation matters. And so see... (laughs) Seeing, you know, I'm just so glad for the kids in small towns, you know, that mm-hmm. won't have anywhere else to relate. Know that they know that the the feathers are normal. Um, right. The, the red eyes. The red, red eyes, eyes are normal. Like <laughs> it's all perfectly normal. Life as a homo. I mean, Darren Aronofsky. I I wouldn't have have taken him at, or, or or read him as a as a um 28 year old uh, closeted lesbian, but. <laughs> But I really see a new side of him. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> he must have done a lot of research. <laughs> he must have spent time at Dinosaur Weekend. And <laughs> <laughs> he just asked around. He just saw some some feet in some slides. They can't wear flip-flops because of the webbing. Yeah. Yeah. But in the slides, and he was just like, huh, I notice everyone here has that. And he finally got up the courage to ask. <laughs> And the cast of television's the L word. Talk to him about it. Oh. <laughs> Black Swan. Black Swan. Black no, but the, Black it's Star. never taught. Like when you hear, like, oh, queer horror movies, even just queer, but like whatever, they never talk about Black Swan. I think because it's an Aronofsky film, and I think people write Aronofsky off as like this auteur douche. Um, who is obsessed with math and environmentalism like (laughs) that's kind of how most I feel like a lot of people that are sick of him talk about him and I don't know I I love this guy (laughs) he's made some have you seen the wrestler no but I've always wanted to because Marissa Tomei because Marissa Tomei and Mickey Rourke I don't know I don't feel like he was nominated or he didn't win or something he should have fucking won an Oscar for that it was really good He's amazing. That's see, a fucking great movie. I've only seen him in like those, uh, what was that, Kim Basinger? Was it Kim oh, Basinger? Yeah, nine and a half weeks. Yeah, I've only seen him in that and like Iron Man 2. So I wasn't. Oh, no, he's incredible in The Wrestler. Marissa Tomei, obviously incredible, looks amazing. Because uh, uh, she's Marissa fucking Tomei. <laughs> yeah, Evan Rachel Wood is in it. In a what? Playing a lesbian. What? Yeah. Um, bye, Stacy. I'm gonna go watch some movies. <laughs> it's so good. It's really, really a good movie, and I think it's kind of a nice companion piece to Black Swan. Really, really as strange okay. as that. As strange as that sounds, it's like also the tale of someone like putting their body through just a nightmare for their performing art. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love this guy. I love Pie, Requiem for Dream, The Fountain. Um, I haven't seen Noah. I think Noah's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, and The Wrestler. Um, I don't think he's as creepy as David Fincher. I like most of David Fincher's films, but I think if you're going to go with the, like, who's kind of skeezy and, like, the controlling auteur, I think it's David Fincher. Oh, David, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, what was that? Dragon Tattoo? Yeah. Yeah, Somebody, come on, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> like... Let's yeah. let's keep it at Gone Girl and just that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah. I don't know. I think Aronofsky is really, really smart. And um, I, 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 I don't know. I think this movie just proved like there is a queer person in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and, and this movie, it, it has that DNA and it's, it speaks to, and, but that's the thing is like the, I mean, you know, obviously webbed feet aside and, and the realities, <laughs> the realities of our anatomical changes as we reach uh, pubescence. Yeah. As we evolve and go, like, <laughs> besides those changes that are natural for all of us queers, um, you know, the doppelganger thing and the the mirror self, I mean, you know very, you're really acquainted with that as someone who has a mirror, Stacy, that often appears <laughs> and tells yeah. you to say things to nuns and <laughs> yeah. and former TV stars. Like, um, <laughs> my golem troll. Your golem self. troll self. Yeah, that's like, say Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Go say hello. <laughs> I don't want to. Do it. I'm gonna make a fool of myself. I know. <laughs> but like, I think there's also something really smart and thoughtful, uh, and this really hit with me in terms of remembering. Like, I, I remember confronting my my queerness and and really like having that moment where like I always knew growing up. Right. Um, but the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize when they ask you, like, when did you know? I don't think people understand that. Like, that's something you always know. It's just you don't you you at a at a certain age, you realize that it's you're different than everybody else. And that's mm-hmm. more of the thing is like realizing that what you are is not that that you're on a different track than everybody else, I guess. I don't know how else right. to say it right now. No, it's you're you're out of step from your peers. Yeah. And you know, you might not even have the language for it. Yeah, I like I assumed everyone felt the same way I did, but just like at a certain age you 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 know, marry a woman and have kids and blah blah blah, but ev- I thought everyone felt the exact same way. Um and I then, knew that what I felt was completely different from everybody else, like I mean from all the girls for sure, uh but I never felt like it was wrong. I never yeah. like tried to talk myself out of it. I was just like, well, I'm different and I don't know what this is exactly, but it's me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I thought at some point I would start like, you know, wanting to date girls and blah, blah, blah. But I thought it was just this, this was normal for everybody. And it wasn't until I like maybe fifth grade when I started like hearing other kids say gay and fag and stuff like that, that I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something different going on here. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was, I remember it was like, I was like teenager watching the object of my affection with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston, Aniston <laughs> written by a uh, Tony award-winning playwright, Wendy Wasserstein. And, Mount Holyoke College alumna. Oh yes, come on! So and much. my sister, your alma alma uh, mater. <laughs> yes! Exclamation mark. Yeah, <laughs> and like <laughs> because it's an Aronofsky film. Yeah, and um, and I remember in that moment, like, kind of like as I watched that film, being like, okay, here's the thing. I like. I even think I said it out loud. Like, I'm gay. And I just suddenly, I like chose to pursue that path. I mean, I didn't choose, but you know, I like decided that was going to be the identity. I was, I understood it as my identity in that moment. Right. And it's sort of like, sorry, this is my super long way of getting to this. Um, It's sort of like you were presented in those moments, you're presented like two options. There's two lives, you know, 
Right. There's like the life that society tells you you should have. And then there's the other life and it's the scarier life. It's the uncertain life. It's queer life. Mm-hmm. And I think in this film, her doppelganger and this double self, this like sort of sexual awakening. Um, it's a really awesome way of, uh, of, of depicting or not awesome, but it's a really thoughtful way of depicting the scary nature of, of having this other life coming at you that you don't have really a say over. Right. She doesn't even really have a language or anything. If she were just, you know, pure vanilla straight. Yeah. She still would have difficulty navigating it. So I can only imagine like how much more difficult it is when you're still treated like a five-year-old. Yeah. Cause have, then... have no life outside of your weird looking apartment. You know? Yeah. And that life with her mother, she's like, she's in a sexual vacuum. Like there's, yeah. Yeah. there's no sexuality in that household. And if you talk about it, you're disgusting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I'm just shocked that, when I went on Wikipedia, because I, I immediately went on Wikipedia to see, do they say like, does she die, or it's to say like she dies at the end? I wanted con- confirmation of my my of my hope that she could still survive after the credits, <laughs> and so I wanted to see what the synopsis said, as if that was canon or something. Um, but I immediately find like people writing about their interpretations and talking about this is about the artistic process and, and the single-minded artistic vision and the need for perfection. And I'm like, no, this is fucking about having that super late in life sexual awakening mm-hmm. and realizing you're queer and that you have to go down a totally different terrifying life path than what was made for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that to me stresses the need for a diverse uh, uh, a diverse uh, field of criticism because Wait you know what I mean second. like I know wait a second is this some <laughs> is this some kind of affirmative action shit you're talking about here, <laughs> well I you know Brie Larson just got a shit all over for saying like I would love to see like more people of color, et cetera, et cetera, when I yeah. go on my press junkets. Yeah, and she so got they, torn apart. So then they made her put on a Captain Marvel hoodie and serve popcorn to the audience <laughs> members. <laughs> Bad Oscar winner. Bad. Put on that hoodie and serve the popcorn. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, she's absolutely right. And it's like our life experiences and who we are as people kind of influences our reads of these things. Like, you know, a a lot of these movies that you and I have talked about like something like The Sentinel I mean maybe vanilla straight person would see it as like gay panic not entirely sure when it's a subtle thing Mm -hmm. you know they might but it's like uh, you know what I mean right yeah like if there were actual (laughs) queer people writing about uh, (laughs) writing film criticism that maybe we would have other looks at this film than just this is about single, the single-minded artistic need for perfection. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, actually, no, this is about when your life is falling apart and you realize that you're different than everybody else and you're terrified. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I, I think, a lot more complicated and a lot more of a sympathetic read of this film than, like, woman wants to doesn't know how to dance better, has bad day. <laughs> like. Right. <laughs> Her perfection kills her. 
Yeah, which is really insulting. I mean, it's there. I could see the need for that. People would read it that way with her ending it with, I was perfect. I was perfect. Right. And like, that's definitely built into the film. But I sure. think, but the motivation for how the character gets there is something that people are totally leaving out and talking about this. Mm-hmm. Not us. We'll go there. Yeah, we offer the hot takes. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just strange to me that I mean I haven't like done a t- like I haven't put in a lot of internet time on this movie, so I don't know. These reads must be out there, but it's like it's just never talked about in the queer canon. Yeah, and I think it's up to us to change that. <laughs> oh, well, good. Consider this an internet petition. Yeah, we're at change.org now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The send people who listen to this will be like, huh. <laughs> Just like I was when I saw Neil Jordan's name. That's how they'll be. They'll go, yeah. huh. 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 <laughs> huh. Okay. I guess I can see that. Yeah. I guess. I guess I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Changing lives. Changing lives one one uh, angry ballet dance at a time. <laughs> oh, poor Nina. God, Nina. I, I want you to live, Nina. Me too. She also, could. She could. She really could be alive. And I mean, do you know what I really want? <laughs> of my latest watch, what I really wanted from this film? I wanted her, I wanted this to be, uh, the other film in the Suspiria universe. Yeah. I I want this to be like Mother of Tears. Like, I I am convinced. Mother of Feathers? Mother of Feathers. Luca had to be inspired by this movie or influenced. I thought the same thing, yeah. It's there. I mean, obviously, people are going to think we're going to talk about this anyway because we're us, but I'm like, (laughs) it is creepy to the extent, like, sweet girl. Yeah. I dreamt I was dancing the white swan or dancing the protagonist. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> what? That scene where Nina is auditioning, auditioning, and she's dancing and spinning, 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 and then she sees Mila Kunis open a door and the camera sh- stops right on her, just like it stopped on Tilda. Yeah. It's true. Winona Ryder in that wheelchair is... Helena Marcos at the end. Yes, she is. Winona Ryder is 100% the (laughs) Helena Marcos of Black Swan. Did you suck his car? (laughs) (laughs) Man, give Natalie Portman all the Oscars and then give Winona one just for that line reading. Yeah, no kidding. I thought about, I was like, I wonder if there's a clean version of this for airplanes you know how they change the language and i wonder if if that's like did you suck his sock <laughs> did you did you darn his socks yeah. did you darn his socks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i want to see the airplane edit of black swan <laughs> Where it's just, she comes home, she eats a slice of cake, she goes to the ballet and dances, and then that's it. The end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But during this, I was like, you know what? I would have accepted Natalie Portman as Susie Banyan. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right? 
Yeah, and and Mila Kunis as everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I did think about I was I obviously I mean because <clears throat> you know we think about Suspiria all the time, but comparing them, I was like, man, if only like I don't know, it ends so sadly for Nina. She didn't claim her power. You know? I know she what if the black swan like what if she just ascended and she says you know I am I am what tenor brow featherarum featherarum yeah <laughs> she blows up Vincent Castle's head and and she 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 caws grabs uh Winona Ryder and flies <laughs> off into the sky <laughs> it'd be so good oh that'd be great oh. Oh, yeah wow. i was i was really shocked at how similar the movies are i just yes. had to throw that out there because yeah, we are no us. you're right yeah and, and i thought the same thing so it is a very similar movie just a very different take but once again queerness the body art dancing uh sexual awakenings yeah it's it's all there i what can i say i have a type yeah <laughs> Clearly. It is These lesbian dance thrillers. Have you ever seen um uh I haven't seen it, but Jason would just pointed this out to me that this exists because he saw it on the video store shelves, but it's um Etole with no. Jennifer with Jennifer Connolly. And oh. it is it was right after Phenomena. Um she so she was very young i think still but it was like i think the year after phenomena and it's about a dancer who uh does swan lake and gets cast in the black swan and then psychosexual thriller ensues interesting yeah i really want to see this movie now because i had i've never heard of it and had no idea about it but i'm like oh my god there's that could be another movie that's made for me i'm hoping (laughs) right like i I thought maybe you were gonna say have you ever seen slash dance Starring Americana from television's The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. And I would have to say, yes, I have seen that. That was my next question. (laughs) (laughs) How many VHS copies do you have right now in your hands, Stacey? I built my home out of VHS copies (laughs) Of slash dance. <laughs> the insulation is terrible, but <laughs> yeah, this place sucks. But, but visually, the house is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good one. It's terrible. Don't watch it. But yeah. oh, it sounds like a blast. It's a blast. It is. So I, I say, you know, readers, if you have other lesbian dance thrillers out there, please yeah, hook share us them up. with us. Hook I. Us I up. I clearly have a type and I, this is my favorite kind of movie. It turns out. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're the lesbian dancers of darkness. Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, poor Nina. She was stuck in fucking Narnia her whole life. Yeah. God, I, I, what a queen. I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Oh, well, should we answer a question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she's dead. <laughs> We've got three here that are all sort of the same. Okay, because I was going to say, hold up. I only signed up for one. Yeah, great listener minds think alike. And Pete, Christopher, and Derek 
all gave us some form of uh, bad endings. What horror film did you like until there was a bad ending and then mm. you lost your mind? <laughs> what mm. uh, what movie do you like except for the ending? Bad endings. Yeah. Yeah. I had a tough time with this one. Yeah. That's really hard because I feel, I, I feel like there's a 10,000 movies that have or horror movies that have terrible endings or like the gotcha twist ending. Um, yeah. And then it just infuriates me and I decide I hate the movie altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, well, there are too. there are some out there where actually I love the movie and then the ending just kind of ruins it for me or or the ending was a big issue, but I still kind of overlook that because I love the movie so much. Okay. Um, I got two off the top of my head. Please, because um, my head was, <laughs> had nothing. Well... Well, I, we've already talked about one and the other one we've also already talked about and I know where you fall on it so this won't help you at all Stacey so Damn it. just google really quickly as I speak <laughs> so, so one of mine would definitely be um, record three mm-hmm. I love record three because it is a whiz bang good golly of a good time uh, it is so silly especially compared to the first two which are like legit terrifying mm-hmm. um but the third one, like, oh my god, I just, I love it so much. I love, oh, talk about mirror selves. There's the, Madero's girl has that mirror self that shows up anytime someone looks in a mirror <laughs> in Record 3. It says, hey, Stacy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that movie. I was just so upset when the bride is going to get away and she's going to spread that infection all over the world. And then they just shoot her. And I was so sad. Yeah. I spummed out, man. I wanted her to get away. I was like, hasn't she been through enough? <laughs> she has. I mean, as someone who has had a wedding, like, and has, has I, I, I'm sorry, as someone who has lived through and survived a wedding, I should say, Jeez. like, it is hell on earth. It is, you are pushed to the brink. You don't eat or drink. And, and you watch everyone else eat and drink. Everyone needs their time with you. You are emotionally exhausted and hungover for like a week after. And then you don't even want to see the person you're married to anymore. <laughs> and my partner, my partner can testify to this alt as well. It's not just me. <laughs> so I'm like, that poor queen has been through enough. Throw a fucking uh, possession zombie on top of it like outbreak on top of it she has been through enough so record three i wanted her to live um my other one is uh oculus Mm. i i know how you feel about mike flanagan (laughs) i i really love oculus and i thought it i i love that movie i love it i love it the movie for me it really captured that sense of not knowing uh or that sense of of conflating childhood memory with what is real and not knowing what's real from your childhood and what was imagined when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought that movie did a, a spectacular job with it. It's why I love that movie. However, the ending when that perfect fucking redheaded queen, um, <laughs> who is so smart through the whole movie and she's like taking every measure to stop fucking evil demon mirror from killing them or affecting them. And she's so smart about it until and the very end of the movie, when she gets tricked by evil demon mirror and the like stupid axe safeguard that's supposed to smash the mirror falls and hits her instead. <laughs> it was such a stupid ending. I hated it. <laughs> 
Redhead's dead. Go home. Oculus. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the vaudevillian production of <laughs> Oculus. <laughs> Watch out for your mirrors, kid. They lead to jazz. <laughs> so, so I, I was, uh, I was very let down by that ending. But in the end, I, I think I, I like the movie enough that I have looked past that ending as I think about it ever since. I'm, I know that there's probably some movies that I'm just not thinking of because maybe my brain purged them because the endings made me so mad. Yeah, you know. I hated the ending of The Lure when I first saw it. I love, I love, The Lure is one of my favorite movies. I hated that ending when I first saw it. And then it wasn't until I think I saw it the second time when I was like, oh no, actually thematically this ending is perfect and I love this movie in its entirety. Yeah, I still, that's one that I'm like, I wish it went this other way. Oh, I wish it went, but I think for what it has to say. I mean, that's how I feel about, you know, we just did a screening of The Stepford Wives um, for Queer Horror. And that's one that, like, talking to the... Because we've never shown, like, a bummer before. Like, we've shown... I mean, the closest was maybe High Tension. Um, but that's, like, such a what the fuck. Like, that doesn't make any sense in the... <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the people that are going to High Tension know what they're in for. Yes. But, like, the Stepford Wives, that was... We had people in the theater afterwards that were like, I didn't know that was going to happen. And my best friend was like, he hadn't seen it. He's like, that was so depressing. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I I was talking to people. I'm like, you know, I usually do not like movies that end like this. Like I was talking with someone about how much I hate the strangers because I hate like no hope endings. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't watch Liv Tyler die ever because I'm she's Liv Tyler. So, <laughs> but like the Stepford Wives is one where I'm like, I'm fine with that ending because it, it makes sense with the story. Like that's what has to happen for that story to work. The only one I could really think of that sprang to mind somewhat immediately was um, The Devil Inside. But it's not a movie that I loved. Because it just ends? Because it just ends! Like, I've never really (laughs) seen anything like it. And it's kind of a, like, I wasn't mad, but I was definitely like, oh, that, oh. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> Can you remind me how it ends? And this is really funny you bring this up because I just saw a tweet about this literally today. Oh, weird. Yeah. It's you know I liked the movie a lot. Like I think it's a like found footage possession film, and like both of those things are way overdone. Possession especially has like low key just made a roaring comeback. Yeah. There's and so this, many bad possession movies out there. Oh, they're everywhere out. Jason just watched that Hannah Grace or whatever, the new one. Oh, God. Yeah, I just, they're everywhere and it bums me out because it was always one of my favorite subgenres. And now it's like, there's just so many. There's still some good ones, but. And I think as far as that goes, I think The Devil Inside was actually really good. Now, okay. The Devil Inside was, that was documented by the Vatican, right? That was. <laughs> <laughs> it's official Vatican footage. Official Vatican footage. If I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to. Every found footage has to like tell you. Oh, this is from the FBI. This is from the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, that remember that time it. the Vatican sent you a burnt DVD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that way you believe it. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the possession stuff was really well done because it was found footage and it wasn't all like crazy possession stuff. Like, it had some realism to it, and it was just really, really scary, I thought. Yeah. 
Like it's uh, like it's a little more subdued in the possession, maybe. Right. Yes. I need to rewatch it, but yeah, yeah that stuff is really well done. Then the possession kind of gets passed around like a fucking hot potato. Oh yeah, don't like the priest get it too? And, yeah, like, everybody like, kind of like... gets. It's like an infection. It's almost like a wreck kind of thing, but it's yeah. You get you get possessed, possessed, and duck, at the duck end. Devil. Duck, duck devil at the end there's three people in the car the one in the back seat is possessed and then the and then she like blows in the face of the guy who's driving or something and then he's possessed and then there's a car crash the end <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so out of nowhere and abrupt and just it's the end of the movie and on the one hand, I admire it because it's so like, fuck it, let's just have a car crash. Like, I don't know where we're going to go with this shit. Like, this is found footage. <laughs> you know? So they just fucking, boop, it's over. So this tweet I saw today, and this is this is so weird that you say this. And then this is literally like the last tweet I liked. So I could instantly find this. Um, this was from at Megan Omron, A-M-A-A-M. Oh, R.A.M. Yeah, on Twitter, she writes for The Good Place. She's fucking hilarious. Every day she tweets, today is the day Trump became president. Um, She tweeted, I would like to share with you an insane film fact. The 2012 movie, The Devil Inside, abruptly ends with no resolution in the middle of the climax. It then tells you to go to the website, therossifiles.com, to see what happens next. (laughs) This website does not exist anymore. And then she links to therossifiles.com a screenshot of it, and it's just, like, a bunch of Italian words for, like, broken links. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yep. And I love that they ended it, like, assuming that you know that that domain would still exist and you could actually look up more about the film sort of Blair Witch Project style (laughs) but then everybody was like fuck that ending and so they're like we're not paying for this again next year when the when it's up yeah and they're like hey hey Jeffrey delete the credit card before the Squarespace renews (laughs) 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 oh poor the devil inside oh but I knew going I knew like that everybody hated the ending when I went into it. So maybe that's why I wasn't so outraged. I was just more stunned. But wasn't that movie also like 10 minutes long? (laughs) Like, I I feel like it ended at like the 60 minute mark or something. Most found footage are really. I wonder if they accidentally deleted the footage and then they just were like, uh, just, just get a website. The internet's hot right now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like fuck. Jim, you forgot to put the ending on here. Oh no, it's already at the film festival. What do we do? <laughs> Just put a hot link. <laughs> yeah. <is> so good. <laughs> oh. I do love a possession movie though. I always I will always have a fondness for them. I can't help it. But there are too many. There are too many. They're just modern ones I can't do. The last one I really liked was uh, Last Exorcism 1 and yeah. 2. I love those movies. There's, I mean, the second one's kind of terrible, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. Act- Ashley Bell is fucking spectacular. Yeah, she was terrific. I think there's too much with computers. You know, people yeah. are like, oh, I can make her body do weird things. And it's like, no, we liked that in The Last Exorcism because she could really do those things. Yeah, yeah, and that's why that's why that stupid ass possession of Hannah Grace, like 
I mean, I can't really speak to it realistically because I didn't watch it, but but Jason put it on. In the first five minutes, there's like a girl tied to a bed. She starts levitating. All of a sudden, yeah. she's she's floating over all of them. The priests are getting impaled by crosses. There's blood flying and, and vomit. Everyone's going, <laughs> It's all computer. And it's just like, that's every possession movie yeah since i don't know i liked the emily rose one back in the day i yeah, like things good. about that i just like the gross faces i love the italian crazy italian ones oh god yeah you know but all these modern ones with some pretty young thing who gets possessed and is like bah, 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 like yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's actually... <laughs> you're selling me on that movie. <laughs> She's in a white nightgown, you know. <laughs> that's just her shopping at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'll go check in the back. <laughs> Well, we might have to do some possession movies down the line, Stacey. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna suffer through them. Yeah, yeah. I'll go They're... for some old. I'll go for some like like Abby. I've never seen that. I can't wait to see that sometime. Right? Yeah, Abby would be fun. So there's some there's some movies out the there. Ant- we should do Abby and the Antichrist, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. I might be into that. Yeah. Just know the something of someone. It's always the, the possession of so and so. The something of this other so-and-so. The exorcism yeah. of, the haunting yeah. of, the... Uh-huh. Yep, it always is. It always is. Even that, and then they tried to shake it up when they did... Um, they adapted the Dybbuk box story that or originated in Portland, oh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. They turned that into, like, the sort of, like, uh, Hasidic Jewish possession movie. Yeah. Where it was exactly the same as every other possession movie, only this time it's rabbis, and one of them is Matis Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a bad movie. Yeah, it was. It was really bad. But I watched it. I did too. But I don't watch them all anymore. I don't. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I've grown out of it, I guess. I mean, that's going to be the next thing, is like, who can do a possession movie? Who can make a possession movie fresh again? And right. can that can that be done? Yeah, I doubt it. I just will say it. I doubt it. I mean, at least until we see. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be right back in the front seat. <laughs> <sighs> well, if you enjoyed this show, well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> you get a banana sticker and a cookie good job <laughs> well have a juice box <laughs> we do like like it when people enjoy the show if you uh <laughs> fuck it hey. just just rate and review us people turn yeah, it off Stacy. <laughs> For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. <laughs>
I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah! Oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.